Welcome to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today we are talking to Jennifer Cabani of, of the College Fix, College Fix, thecollegefix.com, and we're talking about um, we're talking about Focahontas, and we're not even necessarily talking about Elizabeth Warren. Jennifer, is there a is there more than one Focahontas that we should be talking about today? There's so many that they have now started calling them pretendians. It's actually a term that has to have been developed because so many white women and men are wrongly or falsely claiming Native American heritage in order to get ahead in America. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've known people who have claimed to be Cherokee and then you talk to Native American um activists and they will say almost everybody who claims to be Cherokee really isn't, but, you know, and it's, you know, tribal membership is really a technical and legal issue. Um, and it's no easy mess to sort out, as we found out with Elizabeth Warren, who promoted her own educational career by claiming Native American heritage based on family folklore, uh, and at one point, high cheekbones. Um, and then she took a DNA test, which really irritated <laughs> tribal, uh, tribal activists, because they will tell you, you can't it's not determined by DNA. It's determined by uh, genealogy and, you know, firm genealogy and, and the tribe itself, which, you know, is, is fair. I, I mean, so, so let's start there. I mean, how do you, how do you make these claims? It's one thing to make a claim among friends. Oh, you know, I've got, you know, some Cherokee Indian in me. I was watching Zombieland Double Tap, which is just a hilarious movie. And Woody Harrelson and his character in there claims to, you know, have Blackfoot um, heritage, you know, and there's some funny scenes with that. But I mean, how do you go about doing this in academia without being able to establish tribal membership? Because I mean, that to me is sort of a basic, you know, accountability checkpoint, right? Do you have tribal membership? No. Well, then you can't claim this. And yet, apparently, they don't have that type of check. Right. Well, with regard to, we did the article, you know, the Focahontas trend, uh, women, white women pretending to be Native American. Uh, we dug into half a dozen examples in the last several years of women who actually made a career out of claiming to be Native American. And like you said, they use folklore, stories they heard from their parents or grandparents, and they create this vast narrative of, you know, uh, their, their family's history and the struggles and whatnot. Meanwhile, they're getting book deals. They're getting tenure. They're celebrated, feted. You know, they give speeches. They're beloved. This this one that we just reported on recently, her book was like Book of the Month Club. Uh, so it really benefits them to claim this heritage, um, which flies in the face of the notion notion and narrative of white privilege, really, uh, because it's the it's a one way ticket straight to the top for for a lot of these female scholars in academia. And yeah, it's based pretty much on folklore. Although I will say. Um, with the tribal enrollments, a lot of tribes, unfortunately, over the last two decades have been disenrolling yes. legitimate Native Americans for, for financial gain. Because if you're on the tribal enrollment, you get a part of the casino profits. So over the years, unfortunately, a lot of tribes have, have maliciously disenrolled their own people just for profit, which I think is horrible. But I wanted to throw that out there as a small caveat. No, and I'm glad you did, because a friend of mine actually has gone through that. Um uh is is he goes by the handle original pachanga and he's been fighting the pachanga tribe for years i think decades to yeah. get his tribal status restored um 
And it's, it is, it's a money play. It's, it's and- heartbreaking because it's like, why would you do that to your own people? I mean, I'm very familiar with the Pachanga tribe and the folks that are claiming to be, that should be on the enrollment list are, can easily trace their parents or grandparents have documents, proof, birth certificates, paperwork. So um, it's a really sad state of affairs in the Native American communities right now. It is. And it's actually a big fight with the um, Department of Interior, which is the, you know, the federal bureau that manages these things. Department of Indian Affairs is part of um, um, our Bureau of, Indi- I think it's Bureau of Indian Affairs is, is under the Department of the Interior, I believe. And um, which is actually being um, headed up at the moment by the first Native American to head up the Department of the Interior, uh, Deb Holland. And um and so, I mean, that's, so you got really two different things going on here about identity and it's really about incentives. I mean, it's not even about identity yeah. anymore. It's about incentives. And look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to argue that, you know, um, white people in this country have had privilege in the past. Um, that's, that's certainly the case, but when you reset the incentives, the way that the incentives have been reset for good or bad you're going to get really bizarre behavior based on those incentives. And part of this is uh, tribe and tribal authorities disenrolling actual native Americans. <laughs> and the other part of that incentive structure, two different incentive structures um, is people claiming membership in order to, in order to gain economic incentives. And you can make the argument that Elizabeth Warren did that. Um, she claims that that wasn't the case, but she made, she, you know, she was promoted as I believe it was Harvard Law's first Native American woman on, uh, you know, and so there was a value that was attached to that. There's incentives that are attached to that. Um, yeah. And not just Native American. Uh, we've, we've covered scholars who have pretended to be Black and pretended to be Latino to do much the same thing, to gain tenure, book deals, to be celebrated as a, a victimhood class. You know, they get, le- you know, they're invited to give guest lectures. Um, they're beloved. Uh, so there's a, there's an incentive on all stripes uh, for this kind of behavior. How big of a problem is this in academia? I know the college, I mean, we can, t- certainly we could look at, you know, we can look at the tribal system. That's not really within, you know, that's not really part of college fixes uh, focus. Uh, your focus is in academia. How big of a problem is this in academia? Is it getting worse or is it getting better? Well, it seems like now there's this effort to expose the people who've already done it. So they're already embedded in the structures. And now uh, there's groups like AncestrySteeling.com who are going around um, proving that a lot of people who have been claiming this heritage, um, in fact, have you know, very flimsy claims, if not outright lying. So I, I would say it's a, you know, it's a small percentage, but you're still like, who does this, right? Like who creates this whole narrative around their lives? Um, it, it seems like to, to live a lie. Again, for financial incentive, you know, get, they get promoted, they get tenure, they get book deals, they get celebrated. So I suppose, you know, there there is a reason to do it, as you mentioned, an incentive. Um, but it's again, it's you know, it's, it, we had the Rachel Dolez, Dolezal, remember her a couple of years right. ago. I was just about to bring her um, up. Yeah, and she she had you know she put on um, fake tanner, curled her hair, and she she was a professor. Um, and, and again, we uh, we've had a couple of Latino professors do that. We covered at the College Fix, so. Um, I think more and more people will do it because they're like, why not? It's the only way to get ahead in academia, or it's a surefire way to get ahead, at least. At the same time, you get you mentioned this, right? 
you have this effort in academia to to sort of undermine the idea of authentic identity anyway right i mean race is a social is a social construct something you mentioned specifically but not just race also biological sex is becoming a social construct or is a social construct especially among academics where you know you have to you have to have you know dozens of different listings for gender um and all sorts of different you have to remember all sorts of different personal pronouns else you get um yeah, you, you get challenged in, in um, academic, um, uh, I'm trying yeah. to think of the right word for it, but basically- Well, I mean, you know, faculty, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Like there, there's that odd irony because we quoted Heather McDonald um, in our article about the, the Focahontas problem. And she pointed out that the academic left simultaneously insists that race is a social construct with no biological reality. Therefore, she points out, if race is, in fact, simply an artificial category, why not choose one's own race? The left has never answered the question why we all can't be Black. You know, she's kind of calling them out on their hypocrisy, but she's saying, okay, if there's no genetic reality to race, what's wrong with these people pretending to be Native Americans? If they feel like that, if they identify like that, who are you to say they can't do that? Who are you to say they're not really? So there's a bit of leftist hypocrisy going on in this case. Well, and age even is being argued as a social construct, right? And um, and you see this a lot, you know, I, I, sorry to say that you see this a lot when people are arguing that, um, um, you know, ages of consent are nothing more than a social construct, and it really should just be left to the individual to determine whether or not, um, you know, that somebody's ready for, um, for, you know, sexual activity. And some of the people who are arguing that are pretty creepy. <laughs> Yeah, for good reason. We're very concerned about that. Um, but, you know, Rachel Dolahall or Dolasol, or I'm not even, I think it's Dolathal was the way she pronounced it. I forget what it was, but um, um, that goes back eight years, uh, just almost eight years ago. And that was really before the, the sex as a social construct really started gaining steam. And I, I have to ask you this, if Rachel Dolathal showed up at a university today and declared that she, um, that, that her identity, um, was black, regardless of what her background was, that might still be a little too hot button for, for, um, for, for universities to, to allow without a check. But if, if she showed up and said with, with the, you know, Maybe she put straightener in her hair and and used you know a dark hair dye and used the the same tanning technique that she was using before and said, "Oh no, I'm I'm Native American. I'm you know I I identify as Native American." Do you think that it would have caused anywhere near the amount of um, notoriety and controversy? Um, bearing bearing in mind, of course, Jennifer, that <laughs> she was also. Uh, running the local chapter of the NAACP. <laughs> Indeed, she was. Yeah, she really made a, a career out of it. I mean, she she was a trailblazer. You know, it's it's hard to say because, again, the the leftist is speaking out of both sides of your mouth. So you can choose your sex, you can choose your gender. Well, why can't you choose your race? Again, they're being hypocrites uh, on this matter. So we're we're seeing. Uh, 
this one trend apparently is you still can't choose your own race, according to the left, but you can choose everything else, including from 63 different gender preferences and a variety of other things while you're at it. So I'm just going to read you just just because I want to I want to sort of nail this with the Rachel Dolezal example. Eight years ago, almost eight years ago, she was on um, the Today Show. And just to give you an idea of how far back this was, Matt Lauer was still the host. Yeah. <laughs> and she's she's he's interviewing her and, and he says, are you an African-American woman? And her response to this was, I identify as black. He then shows her a picture of her at 16 you know, with blonde hair. Right. And, right. and then he asks her, you know, is, is this girl African-American? And she says in that picture during that time, no, <laughs> but she identifies in fact. And, and, right. and here's the, I think the issue when it comes to native Americans, why the tribes I think are rightly concerned about this is that there really isn't any great way to determine this. Um, in, ter in terms of Native American ancestry, yeah, um, you can determine uh, African American ancestry usually just by simple genealogy. It's not so simple with Native Americans, um, and that's the reason why the the Native American tribes have really held on to that, uh, you know, the tribal identification enrollment process. Right. Um, but I think it speaks to the incentives for the universities as well. This is why I want to get back to incentives on, on, on the Focahontas problem, the pretendian problem, as you put it, uh, Jennifer Cabani, um, is, is that it's not just, these people aren't claiming this just on the basis of their own personal, the personal incentives for doing so, although that's obviously a very large part of it. The universities are getting something out of this. The incentives are set up for the universities in this system as well. And um, maybe you, we can explore that a little bit. What are the incentives for the universities to show that they've got more Native American uh, faculty than, than is actually the case? Well, the incentive is self-righteousness. Like, look at us. We are, you know, making sure that we fight white privilege, that we fight against the status quo, and we raise up these victims, and we celebrate them, and we honor them, and we respect them. So we're doing the right thing, pat ourselves on the back. Uh, you know, they're bean counters, they're quota fillers. That's the problem. And, and this is one of the things that obviously the Supreme Court's going to be looking at in, um, in, the, in the cases um, this year. They're going to be looking at affirmative action. And I think everybody sort of expects the Supreme Court to say, uh, we've had enough. Because John Roberts warned about this, I think it was like 15, 17 years ago, that, th that this, this sort of uh, official license to violate the 14th amendment to to right previous wrongs had an had it had a limit to it and that we were going to be approaching it fairly soon i think that's going to be the case here do you think that that's going to have an impact then on the pretendian um uh, impulse i guess you can call it or fad or are the are the are the righteousness incentives just simply too strong and people are going to continue doing this I've, I've always said that even if the Supreme Court, you know, outlaws affirmative action, they will find a way, universities will find a way to continue the practice, either through some measure of holistic admissions is what they call it, holistic admissions, or some other loophole or some other strategy 
this is not going to end with the Supreme Court. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer because it does look like the Supreme Court is going to rule against it. But, oh, these universities will find a way to continue uh, to manipulate the student demographics as they see fit. Well, and again, we're talking with the Supreme Court, we're talking about the student demographics, but what we're talking about here is actually the faculty demographics, which I think will even be even be tougher to um, to work out in terms of the incentive structure, because. I mean, I'm not necessarily sure how broad a Supreme Court decision is going to be. Supreme Courts tend to be narrow enough to get the point across, but tend to be a little reluctant to go any broader than that. I think whatever decisions coming out here is going to really be um, focused on admissions only. But yeah. And then, but I mean, in terms of who they hire, that's their purview. That's their direct, you know, they have the choice. Right. Unless there is a lawsuit in Texas right now that was filed by a white finance professor against a Texas university because of the job description made it sound like they would only consider people of color. So we don't know how far that lawsuit's gonna go because it's hard to prove damages if you're just an applicant to a job. Yep. So uh, it, it's gonna have to tread new ground. But right now, universities have the autonomy and the authority to hire who they want. Well, and, uh, and, and Heather McDonald did, did say, being of a favored race or ethnicity confers an enormous advantage in the college admissions racket. Um, and, that, um, and that certainly applies to the faculty as well as you guys are covering. Focahontas, white female scholars keep pretending to be Native American. That's at thecollegefix.com. And Jennifer Cavani has been our guest on the podcast. Jennifer, where else can people find you? So, yeah, we are on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all, all the socials, all the socials. And uh, we also have a newsletter that you could sign up at thecollegefix.com. And I only email it twice a week. I don't destroy your inbox with, you know, three times a day, I promise. It's just twice a week of our highlights. So be sure to sign up for that and keep up with us. It's never a dull moment at the campus that the college fix. We're always covering the campus craziness and there's no end in sight. There is absolutely no end in sight to that at all. Jennifer Cavani, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, anytime. Now that the political infighting is over and the sausage is being made in the House, it's time for Republicans to unite with one cause and fight back against Joe Biden and his radical administration. The GOP has promised to investigate Biden family corruption, the border, big tech censorship collusion, the origins of COVID, the FBI, and intel agencies' attacks on the American people and more, and it's time to hold them to those promises. Here at Hot Air, we won't let up on holding them accountable. We unapologetically fight back against the radical left and squishy rhinos in Congress who fail the people. We bring you the truth and go to war against Biden's woke communist agenda. But we need your help. By becoming a VIP for uh, hotair.com, you can help us in this battle for our country. Just look at the House Democrats leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He's another divisive radical leftist and his communist Sesame Street speech proves it. If Republicans don't halt the Biden agenda and conservative media fails to hold them accountable, it could mean the end of our great country. Join us in the fight. Become a Hot Air VIP member or a VIP Gold member today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a 40% discount on your membership. Stand with us and fight to save America. We will never give up. And thank you very much.